worms crawl in, the worms crawl out. They'll eat your guts and spit them out. And when your bones begin to rot, the worms remain, but you do not. So don't ever laugh as a hearse goes by. For someday you'll be next in line. And when death brings his cold despair, ask yourself, will anyone care? Macabre may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. It's awesome. Yeah. 20 cents for donut holes. I found they have a fried croissant. <gasps> oh. And they had a key lime filled powdered donut. Look at this beauty. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I got to show you the croissant <laughs> as I'm making a bunch of noise. Oh, mon dieu. <laughs> I love it. Get so, at me, croissants. Don't, don't mind me stuffing my face. No, seriously, enjoy it. I am what? like enjoying it through you. Oh, my God. Yes. Mm-hmm. Probably wearing black and powdered sugar. Probably not a good combo. <laughs> it's okay. We've all been there. <laughs> so I have to tell you the powdered sugar story now. Um, when I was a teenager, I went to a concert with a friend of mine and this guy that I sort of like had a crush on. Actually, I had the crush on the guy first and then my friend swooped in. That's a whole other story. Aww. But um, <laughs> I digress. Uh, this incident probably sealed my fate. We were at the concert and they had funnel cakes. Oh, which I was like, oh, dude, I want a funnel cake. So I went and got a funnel cake and the guy that I liked was kind of like standing next to us and the wind caught my paper (gasps) face and he was wearing a black t-shirt and uh, the funnel cake like flew and like hit him and powdered sugar just went everywhere. Oh, no. He was so oh. pissed. And I was like, well, apparently you're not the right guy for me if you're pissed about that. But right. Um, sorry. Powdered sugar does wash out, dude. <laughs> no. That was embarrassing. It was, hey, it was the Akimu sweeping in. And <laughs> they're like, this dick, he ain't right for you. <laughs> and we're going to prove it to you with this funnel cake. Ha ha. <laughs> Ask your doctor Fate. about it today. <laughs> Fate intervened on that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so listeners, I went to the local donut shop, if you didn't catch that. Um, and then I got powdered sugar all over myself, and I feel prepared now to do this episode. <laughs> Heck yes. Heck yes. I'm amped, I'm amped up. Okay, me too. Let me just pull up my notes on this. Are you ready? Do you want to get into it? Oh, I am ready. Okay. <laughs> this one's going to be something. Uh, don't listen while consuming fluids if you're sitting near anything that could be destroyed by you spraying <laughs> fluids anywhere because it's it's going to be one of those. Oh. <laughs> Backing so today... away from the boomstick. <laughs> <laughs> Stay away from the boomstick. Um, yeah. Okay. 
So today's episode is the letter Q, and the letter Q is for quackery. And <laughs> I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, like the kind of sick where, you know, you're like a weekend and you can't breathe, mm-hmm. like one nostril is completely clogged up, the other one won't stop like pouring running mm-hmm. you're like what is going how is this even physically possible and you're just <laughs> you can't sleep because you can't breathe you're coughing mm-hmm. you're doing all these nasty things and you're like i really need relief i really mm-hmm. need i'll do anything to um to feel better stick a pot up my nose <laughs> you know put some salve on my feet drink some boiled mm-hmm. onion water like i'll literally do anything to feel better it's kind of what this episode is about except it's gonna be all of the worst ways that <laughs> our ancestors tried to cure things uh unsuccessfully and Oof. we're gonna get into some detail on some of the ways that they did it um yeah <laughs> so uh, buckle up <laughs> Um, we're going to start, we're going to go through basically the medieval times, the Victorian era, and obviously I'm not going to cover everything, but I'm going to pick out some of the weirder, disturbing, disgusting things, because that's (laughs) what we do. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You ready for this? Oh, yeah. (sighs) Take a deep breath. I'm going to have a sip of my water right now so I don't spray it on the boomstick. Have a sip of water. It's funny. This My line says, grab your inhaler and take a deep breath. This one's going to get pretty <laughs> gross. Well time. I have my inhaler in the room. <laughs> All right. We're going to start in the medieval times. It's arguably one of the worst times to live in history. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was filthy, dirty. Everyone smelled terrible. Mm-hmm. And... You're lucky if you live past the age of 25, and if you did, there's a pretty good chance you had some nasty diseases and afflictions along the way. And let's not forget about childbirth and infant mortality rates. Children Mm -hmm. only had a 20% chance of surviving beyond the age of five at that time. Dang. And I wasn't able to find the statistics on um, mothers, but we know mothers often died during childbirth. It Mm -hmm. just wasn't something that was documented. So I don't know the exact numbers, but safe to say that number was pretty high. And also, Mm -hmm. this just came to mind. Uh, Did you know why the chainsaw was invented? Oh, no. (laughs) No, I don't. It was was invented as a device to aid with childbirth. No. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, our ancestors were very barbaric. I mean, they're like, oh, this works for childbirth. Why don't just, let's just use it to cut trees? Holy shit nuts. Yeah. I did not know so, that. Yeah, listeners, look look that up if you want to find uh, out like when exactly that happened. But at least that's, uh, you know, what I was able to find on it. But um, yeah, so medieval times, that- dark. You remember, you've you've seen House of Dragons first season. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That first That's exactly episode? where my Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Nope. Mm-hmm. Just um I I I can't speak on this because I don't have kids. 
But as a woman, what the actual fuck? <laughs> yeah. And it was probably invented by a man, if I had oh, to guess. Of course it was. Of Not course it I'm was. Not that I'm trying to be sexist or anything. That's just. No. But that's how, how it, was it was back then. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh. uh, I don't know. Barbaric. Probably didn't go well. It was probably more about the child than the woman yeah. surviving, you know? I I want to know what the stats are on uh, the who actually lived out of that whole situation, because I'm willing to bet that nobody freaking lived uh, I would, if they use yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. that. I mean, that could, it's not necessarily a form of torture, but it is a form of torture. It is. Like, oh, maybe mm-hmm. we could include that, but um, in that <sighs> episode. But safe to say, you know, that was a very dark period in history. There is plenty of macabre material to source from that time. Mm-hmm. So now that I've kind of set the stage, let's get into it. And listeners, <laughs> this is your trigger warning. This yeah. episode just has the biggest trigger warning. If you're squeamish, if you are appalled easily, you're listening to the wrong podcast, uh, mm-hmm. maybe just skip out on this episode because it's, yeah, it's all of those things. Yeah. Listener discretion right. is advised for the upteenth time. Not for the faint of heart. Indeed. Well, let's start with cataract surgery. Oh. In modern yeah, times, really... it's, you know, it's a pretty simple procedure with uh-huh. very little complications. But uh, back in that time frame, I would guess probably one of the most painful procedures that you could possibly have done. And mm. if you've ever had an eye injury, you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about. Oh, because yeah. I was uh, a young whippersnapper and I was doing a photography shoot and I had sunglasses on at one point and I had taken them off and like put them on top of my head. And you know, when you're kind of like in the moment and you're just in the flow, Mm-hmm. Uh, or at least for me anyways I don't think about that and so I bent down to get like a low angle shot and mm-hmm. was thinking that I had the glasses on which I did not I literally took like a stick in the eyeball <gasps> oh no and it ended up scratching my cornea and it mm. was like probably one of the most painful experiences of my life I did not They're realize not that your eyes were so I mean I know they're sensitive, but, but you don't shit. know till you have an eye injury. Mm-hmm. No. So it was like the worst oh intense gosh. pain. And my eye just like watered and watered and watered uh-huh. and watered. And I couldn't get any relief until, um, cause it was on the weekend. So I had to wait. And no. finally when I got to the doctor, they just put numbing drops in my eye. And I was like, Oh my God, like sweet relief. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, um, Dear- yeah. Did I ever tell so, you about uh, my eye injury? You no. Oh, I won't name where I worked, but I was working at the service desk of this place and somebody brought in broken fluorescent light bulbs, like the tall what really the thin tubes, right? And they got yeah. really mad and they slammed it down behind the counter and it broke and the dust came up. And it got in my right eye. Oh, no. Uh-huh. So they took me back 
to the the back of the store where they had one of those eye cleanser machines. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that helped at all because it was no. clear that nobody had used it in a while and it was covered oh. in brown dust. Oh, God, no. And then they shoved me in there. And I'm like, this is not clean. You know, like, and, you know, you're supposed to do that for how long with your eyes like open? five minutes. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it wasn't helping. So I went to urgent care. <sighs> and then that was all fun because... I sat in a room and the nurse said, do you know what brand of light bulb we need to check the poison hotline? Oh, God. And I'm like freaking out, obviously. And so I told her the brand. They called back and they said, okay, good news. We're going to do an eye flush. We're going to give you some drops. You need to heal for a few days and you should be okay. But we need to take a pH test on your eye. You want to know how they fucking pH test your eye? Oh, I'm they take afraid. a pH strip and they slap it onto your freaking eyeball. Oh my god. Uh huh. And you're already in pain from the whatever the fuck is in that powder. Eye debris. In, yeah. Uh huh. And you, I clearly scratched my cornea also. So they're like, okay, the levels are, you know, decent. We're gonna take care of it with an eye flush. Have you ever had an eye flush? <laughs> I mean, I, I don't tell like you. getting water in my eyes, period. So uh -huh. a flush oh, is yeah. all that you know. They have a suction cup. They open up your eyelids. And they put that suction cup on your eyeball. And there's a tube where your, you know, pupil will be. Where they put saline through a drip. And it flushes out all around your eyeball. And you need to like lay to the side so that it can come out your lower lid. Because if you don't sit right, it's going to go into your nasal passages and you're in, in, your, in your head. And that's not good either, right? And I had to sit with this thing for over half an hour to flush my eye out. And oh my, my man, uh-huh. Well, my manager was the one that had to drive me because I had my contacts in when all of this happened. So I had to take my contacts out, throw them away. I couldn't see anything. And they they let her in the room when they had me doing the flush. So I had somebody to talk to. And she almost screamed. Because <laughs> from what it looked like when she walked in the room, she said, it looked like you didn't have an eyeball. You just had a tube sticking out of the socket. And I'm like, oh, yeah. It felt great, too. <laughs> oh, my God. And so I felt like this welling on the side of my head, my, my eye. And the nurse is like, oh, oh, it's kind of, it's welling up a little bit. So she literally went, and, like, my lower lid, and all of this, like, saline came running down. <laughs> oh, oh, my, my gosh. God. <sighs> it was so bad. Well, and you like oh. took this to a place I was not expecting. I'm so, I'm so, I'm so sorry. But it's like so, it, it, it's interesting to think about because what I'm gonna tell next, like I'm like, oh, you know, modern things, like it's better, right? Uh, <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe not so much. Mm-mm. Sorry. So all is well. Your eyes are good now. Oh, yeah. Yep. Um, I, For a long time, I did have a little bit of 
issues with my right eye just kind of like healing. I had a divot for a long time that my contacts would get stuck in, but it's a lot blush. Probably, to be honest. I I don't wish that upon anyone. And just just be really, really careful around those bulbs, guys. If those break, be very careful. Wash your hands. None of this, like, slamming it down on the counter. What an idiot. Oh, don't even get me started about that. We could have a macabre episode just about (laughs) customer service. We'll have to table that for a Patreon episode, probably. Uh Macabre customer service. Here's some macabre advice for you. If you've never worked retail, and even if you have, you should honestly have a little bit more respect for people who work retail. Because um, most of the time, if you go in with a problem and you're going to be irate with somebody, that person, that particular person, isn't the reason for your problem. And you taking minutes upon minutes to complain about something is wasting your time, which is apparently very precious to you, so why are you wasting it? Uh, Two, it's wasting everyone else's time, and you're only making everyone else mad. (laughs) So uh, kindness goes a long way. I will get off my macabre soapbox now. (laughs) <laughs> okay well off my are you ready to get into the craziness of the eye yes. surgery and okay I'm so let's sorry. do this well i think it's good for listeners to have context if you've never had an eye injury uh-huh you know even like when you get an eyelash in your freaking eye it's mm-hmm. miserable so agreed just keep that in mind when we we talk about this <laughs> so the way that they would remove con- uh contacts uh the way that they would remove cataracts back in the Middle Ages is they performed a procedure called needling. Oh, no. And they would use a thick, flat needle. The surgeon would push the needle directly into an unanesthetized victim's cornea. Oh. They would then push the lens back into the lowest part of the eye, which would clear the pupil. Of course it cleared the fucking pupil. You just yeah. pushed the lens through the person's eyeball. Uh, uh. Oh. Needless to say, this did not yield the results they intended, and the victim's vision got worse. And of course. left them basically blind. I... I just want to know what the reasoning was when they just thought of these things. They were like, oh, their eye is cloudy. Let's push this out of the way. Get it out of the way. This, whatever this is, your fucking lens. Yeah. Let's just get that out of the way. You don't need that. <laughs> uh, I would rather just have it be left alone and... Mm. Just have bad vision. Yep. And can you imagine how painful the recovery would be for something like this? Oh my gosh. I can't even imagine. You won't be able to open your eyes. I would just rather them take the eye out. Honestly. Because you know how it is even when you close your eyes and you have a scratch. It's terrible. It's horrible. Terrible. Yeah. This is where we started, people, with eyes, eyeballs. Watch your eyeballs. Protect your eyeballs. You do not know how sensitive they are until some craziness happens. Protect. Protect your special eyes. <laughs> you only have two. <laughs> you only have two. I mean, unless you don't. Unless you have multiple eyes. 
Or if you have none. I'm if, sorry. if you have none, I'm sorry. Or one. Protect But now mm. it's going to get worse. Oh, no. <laughs> Moving on to urinary diseases. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> if you have ever had a UTI, ladies, mm-hmm. a gentleman, I don't think gentlemen really get UTIs because it's shorter. The urethra is shorter. Right? I don't know. In any event, uh, ladies commonly get UTIs. Uh, uh-huh. You know how painful that can be. Uh-huh. Which, uh, if you don't know how to prevent those, we'll have a side conversation on that in uh, yeah. Patreon because there are very easy ways to prevent those. But uh, Absolutely. Anyways. Um, let's not forget uh, they didn't have antibiotics back, back in those days. Mm-mm. So when you come down with a case of something worse than a UTI... Because you spent a little bit too much time, you know, doing the nasty with the dirties or you're visiting a (laughs) brothel and you get some sort of, you know, syphilis or whatever Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. is left untreated, Mm -hmm. you know. So then uh, your next step is to go to your local physician and uh, they're like, well, we're going to put a catheter in you. Uh, catheters are pretty scary now mm-hmm. and you know i just want to be numbed up when they do that but that's not how it works people and mm-hmm. um back in those days catheters were made of metal <laughs> i was just gonna ask like okay what, what what was it made out of then so add a insult to injury when they shove a long metal tube up your urethra into your bladder to remove the blockage. And then, let's not even talk about the fact that it wasn't sanitized in any way. Mm -hmm. If you had a kidney stone, oh, you were in for it. Now, hold on to your butts, because removing a kidney stone involved a deep invasive hand up your butt while an external hand pressed on your abdomen slash bladder, that general area, until they could locate a hard pebble that they somehow manually were able to extract from the body. What? Don't ask me how they did that or how that science works because I don't know. (laughs) Oh, Oh. Hand up the butt, hand on the abdomen, press really hard, dig around till you find what you need, pull it out. Oh my gosh. Mm-mm. Yeah, I don't know the science. I don't want to know. Nope. Nope. <sighs> nope. And since we're already talking about butts, <laughs> let's just talk about some butt stuff. You know. Butt stuff. We're here. Let's talk about hemorrhoids. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's where we're starting, but that's not where we're ending. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Hemorrhoids, ladies and gentlemen. The treatment for hemorrhoids in medieval times was pretty fucking terrible. (laughs) And, um, turns out it was a pretty common ailment back then and i'm not exactly sure why but my brain says that it was probably because of the amount of like hard labor and mm-hmm. heavy lifting that they would do 
Could right? totally it's a see lot of straining. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know what causes hemorrhoids, but I know there's usually like grunting involved. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think you're exerting your, yourself too much and it doesn't necessarily have to be like when you're going to the bathroom or anything. It could just, right. you know, yeah, totally. Who knows what their diet was like back then? It was probably a oh. lot of bread and like they were probably just backed up. Probably. General. They were probably trying to grunt one out <laughs> a lot. So the, oh, and, the odds oh. were stacked against them. It was so common, in fact, that there was a patron saint of hemorrhoids. What? <laughs> his name his name was Saint. I'm gonna say this wrong, probably. The way my brain wants to say it is Saint Fiacre. His treatment was less awful. It involved having people sit on a rock that would magically cure their hemorrhoids. Uh-huh. Like a warm rock? I don't know. A rock that's been oh. sitting in the sun. Oh. And re- reason being is somebody like who had hemorrhoids sat down on a rock one day and they just, the hemorrhoids went away. So they just attributed it to that. <laughs> like just because <laughs> that guy got lucky. Um, but the worst way that they treated hemorrhoids involved oh shoving a hot metal poker up someone's butt to mm. cauterize the blood vessels. <laughs> today that's imagine? why no could you imagine I, that I, smell I, oh no nope nope burning ass no oh not good thank god we have the patron saint of preparation h today <laughs> can you imagine can you imagine, like, walking down the dirt road in a village? Oh, what are you just, up to today, Robert? I see you here in the nude on the listen. stone. Yeah. Oh, hello, Richard. I'm just healing some hemorrhoids. What, what was that? Uh, <laughs> hemorrhoids? Oh, I hope you're praying on that rock to the patron saint. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think it's working. How long have you been there? <laughs> um, a couple days. <laughs> I oh. oh oh yeah. I told you this one's pretty bad. <gasps> well, let's move on up the body to the head. Oh man! And this is one of <laughs> the terms you probably are familiar with. Have you heard of trepanation? Yes. Or trepanning, or mm-hmm. trepanning, however you want to say it. Um, mm-hmm. Listeners, if you don't know what that is, you're going about to get educated. Mm-hmm. Um, now, back in the Middle Ages, I would not recommend telling your doctor that you have any of the following ailments. It was used to treat things like depression, migraines, epilepsy, if you were suspected of having demons. If there was anything at all going on in your brain that needed to be addressed, this was the go-to method. Trepanation was administered by boring a giant hole into the skull, often using a corkscrew type of instrument, similar to a wine corkscrew, except you're, you know, bigger. (laughs) Uh, It would go through the scalp first and then the skull and create a giant hole that exposed the outer membrane of the brain. Now, 
unfortunately, if you expose your brain to open air, and people mm-hmm. would literally walk around with a giant hole in their head, germs get in there, mm-hmm. and then they end up dead. Mm-hmm. So I guess in one way you could say it did cure depression, but the cure was death. Yeah. And how many people died in the process of the screwing? Mm. This originated all the way back to prehistoric times, too. Are you serious? It is one of the oldest known surgical procedures. Known uh, to man. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. And you'd think, like, after watching this happen and then people dying, you'd be like, mm, maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. I think right? I'm going to pass on that. Right. Isn't there anybody, like, making documentation of this going, nope, didn't work for the 20th time. Maybe it's just not going to work <laughs> Maybe ever. the next time. Yeah. Maybe it'll work the next time. Maybe. The 30 second know. try is the charm. Yeah. Oh. Well, and they oh. probably blamed it on other things, like. Yeah. How, you know, like, maybe it was that person, like, it was their issue. Yes, he Not had a weak procedure. disposition. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh. yeah. And hmm. um, th- this one you are familiar with, listeners. We've talked about it before. We talked about it in the Bedlam X, uh, episode a little bit, bloodletting. Mm-hmm. And there are different ways that they actually practice bloodletting, um, one of which we, we still use today, and it is effective for certain things. It's the use of leeches. Mm-hmm. And leeches have been used all the way back to 1500 BC in Egypt. But in medieval times, they used leeches to cure all kinds of ailments, which didn't work at all. Mm -mm. For example, we know that they believed in the uh, four humors of the body and that everything needed to be in balance. So they would use leeches to kind of balance those humors in order to treat things like obesity, headaches, gout, bruising, and brain disorders. Now, you're lucky if you got a leech instead of trepanning. I think if you have a brain oh. disorder, I'd rather have a leech. Um, Me too. In that case. And I hate leeches, but mm-hmm, yeah, I agree. But mm. uh, they, they weren't effective for those particular treatments. But what our ancestors did discover is that leeches helped improve poor circulation and did have some healing qualities. So that's why we still use it today. Um, The way that we use it today is for aiding in removing blood clots Mm -hmm. because, you know, their saliva has an anticoagulant. So it's great for that. Mm -hmm. Um, They're used in uh, a lot of reconstructive surgery for that reason. It helps wounds heal faster. It helps improve blood flow. Mm-hmm. And preventing blood clots. So yay, that was one thing they they got right, kind of. Yeah, which is crazy to me. Just, ugh, it's just crazy to me. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Now the history of leeches. I have just a little tidbit on that. Um. That dates back to Egypt, like I mentioned, but it went from Egypt and then to Greece, Mm -hmm. to the Roman Empire, and then Europe. That was kind of the path that it took. Um, More commonly, it was used for things like gout and migraines, 
And if they didn't have leeches available, the other method that they would do uh, to perform bloodletting would be using a sharp instrument, like a piece of wood. They would cut the body and let blood flow. (laughs) Blood, phlegm, yellow bile, black bile, whatever they could do to try to get those in balance. And um, I don't know why they thought bleeding someone to death would fix them, but. And. And then they use metal forget. for all kinds of other things. Why now are they deciding? Why? Let's use some wood. Yeah, dirty wood. Yeah, splinters. Hey. Think about like infections and things that would happen after yeah. that. And, and imagine. Then... Oh, you go, go ahead. ahead. I was nope, just gonna nope. say, like, can you imagine, like, if if people had certain allergies to particular pollens or anything that would be stuck to mold you know uh, uh, nope 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 and once it actually the bloodletting craze hit europe it was used to treat things like the plague and smallpox which is like no cutting into smallpox like that's how you get smallpox is touching smallpox yeah you leave that shit alone you don't touch it now, you might know this too, but listeners may not. Um, do you know that the barbers, barbers were often the people who performed bloodletting? Mm-hmm. And that's Which where that weird. red and white striped barber's pole outside of like a barber shop comes from. Yeah. It's the way they kind of like advertised that they did that service. And yeah. I mean, they already had like razors and stuff, so. Uh-huh. Can go you and imagine? Get a quick shave and a little bloodletting. Yeah. yeah, with probably the same razor. Oh god, gross. Uh uh. So those were the ones from the medieval times that I, I thought were some of the gross worst things. You would be right. And then, <laughs> I mean, my obvious next move is. Just just jump straight to the Victorian era of because course. you and I both know that we did a lot of dumb stuff back then to try to we did treat things. Oh, we did. Those horny, depraved Victorians. That's a great lead into the next one because we're gonna get back into butt stuff. <laughs> and we're going deep on this one, people. Pun intended question. Pun intended. So listeners, do you know that butt plugs were originally invented to cure things like constipation, bad breath, <laughs> insomnia, acne, anemia? Back in the Victorian times, though, they weren't called butt plugs. They were called dilators. And in my personal opinion, I think our Victorian friends found a way to do butt stuff under the guise of sanctioned medical treatments. Uh-huh. That's what happens when you repress a society and make ankles the sexiest part of the body. Uh-huh. <laughs> Going back to horny, horny Pelidori. He was a doctor. <laughs> he probably had a set of these dilators in his closet. He probably did. Oh. Needless to say, when they were administering these kits to people prescribing them (laughs) they also came with lubricant oh boy and the kits the dilators came in different sizes you know so it wasn't just one it was from small to large 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they didn't cure any of the things that I just mentioned. Um, but they sure had fun trying. <laughs> Kudos to you, you kinky Victorians. <laughs> But I can't give all the credit to the Victorians because people have been doing butt stuff for as long as people have had butts. <laughs> yes. Yes. And uh, <laughs> to prove my point, the earliest record of a jeweled butt plug dates back to the Sumerian times. Hey. It was found engraved in a stone on a bill of sale dated 3740 B.C. And this <laughs> same bill of sale, ironically, is the oldest known tax write-off. So there's a butt plug on the oldest known <laughs> bill of sale, and it's as a tax write-off. I kind of want to do an episode entirely on butt plugs. I mean, we could, to be honest. One of the butt plugs that I found was like in the Egyptian time, they used mud from the Nile. They made butt plugs out of mud. Oh my! Oh my! I'm pr- I'm I'm assuming that didn't go well. I'm assuming also not well. Think about oh. the germs and the water, all the fish poop and the pee and people peeing and doing their business in there. Mm. I, I'm still stuck on the tax write off. I want to know what the reasoning was and how that got I want got to know approved. the context of that. So. Yeah. There was, I, I, it was a long, probably a few years ago now. Um, archaeologists, and I read a few articles on this, but I don't know a lot. So listeners, if you know more, let us know. <laughs> but archaeologists had discovered like an archaic toy oh yeah that dated back and and they found it in a cave so it's like oh boy yep <laughs> i just i guess from the dawn of time we've we've always been a horny horny race oh. of beings yep. a horny horny paladori <laughs> Horny, horny Palidori. He's probably sitting in the room back then while people are testing them out going, Okay. Insertion. Lube. Interesting. (laughs) And if you don't know what we're talking about, you clearly haven't listened to the last episode, so you need to go back and listen to that. Go listen to the letter N. Mm -hmm. Horny, horny Palidori might be a shirt idea for later. (laughs) And he may or may not be making appearances in future, future episodes because I, I can't get over it's it. A, it's a good line. <laughs> well, because we're already talking about butt stuff, we're just going to move right on to sexually transmitted diseases. Woof. All right. Here we and go. This is, this is where we insert our sponsored ad for condoms. I mean, yes. we don't have a sponsor, but that's where we'll we would put it. it if we were going to. Maybe later. Mm-hmm. Maybe we'll add one later. Mm-hmm. Um, we already touched on the fact that syphilis was a big problem. Mm-hmm. And we'll have a full episode on that later. Mm-hmm. But um, our ancestors didn't have antibiotics, so things would get pretty nasty as the disease progressed. And 
I'm not going to get into do too much detail on that or on the history because Blair's covering an entire episode on that later. Oh, yeah. But your takeaway from this episode should be that one of the ways syphilis was treated was with a topical application of mercury ointment. Mm-hmm. And patients would also swallow mercury capsules made with mercurous chloride, also dubbed the name, you're going to recognize this, calomel. Mm-hmm. Mercury capsules were the most common treatment between the 17th and 19th century. And like I mentioned, if you've listened to any macabre episodes, there's a good chance <laughs> we talk about mercury in some of them. And yes. it is a terrible poison that causes all kinds of nasty stuff to happen to a person, including here's your little TV voice that I can't do, including tremors, slurred speech, incessant drooling, bleeding gums, muscle spasms, digestive issues, including nausea, vomiting, change in urine color, seizures, and eventually you just fucking die. <laughs> so I guess that's one way to stop the spread of syphilis. Yeah. As a cure, not so effective, but. And it makes you wonder, with all the things that were in everything that they consumed back then, no wonder people were nuts. No wonder. <laughs> well, and since you mentioned the uh, ancient toy, we're going <laughs> to talk about uh, female hysteria next. Oh, my. And it's just going to be, you know, we're just going to skim the surface on this one. Because, again, this could be a whole episode. But um, <laughs> we're going to talk about treatment for female hysteria. A disease that seemingly only affected women in the 19th century. Huh. And here's another trigger warning for our mm -hmm. listeners. Because it involves non-consensual acts. Mm-hmm. In 1859, a physician claimed that a quarter of all women suffered from hysteria. He cataloged their symptoms as faintness, nervousness, insomnia, fluid retention, heaviness in the abdomen, muscle spasm, shortness of breath, irritability, loss of appetite for food or sex, and a tendency to cause trouble. A.K.A. If you annoyed the shit out of a man, you had hysteria. Yeah, and some of the symptoms were also uh, not only a loss of sex drive, but an increased sex drive, right? You can't see me, but I'm rolling my eyes so hard. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, well, which is it, sir? Um, yeah. You either want it too much or you don't want it enough. Yeah. It's a problem. So here's where the, you know, the triggery part comes in, the actual treatment. And some of our listeners probably are already familiar with this. Um, mm -hmm. The Victorian cure all for hysteria was the pelvic massage, a.k.a. Victorian explosions. <laughs> oh, my. Now, yeah. Now, I'm not a proponent of how this treatment was administered back in the day. In fact, I think it would qualify as a form of sexual assault in modern times. Mm -hmm. um, and why they thought this was necessary, let's face it. Back in the Victorian era, it's pretty safe to say that men did not want to deal with female emotions, like mm -hmm. normal things that humans experience, like insomnia, depression, anxiety, irritability, sexual desire. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So... 
they came up with this remedy, which was performed by creepy-ass male doctors. Of course it was. And magically, when this treatment was performed, and the woman reached what was defined as hysterical paroxysm, a.k.a. an orgasm, they would suddenly feel better. And this involved going to your local physician, lying down on a table in his treatment room, and, well, you could probably imagine the rest. Mm -hmm. Once this manual treatment was complete, the woman would go home feeling much better, at least for a short period of time. This treatment involved the use of clockwork-driven vibrators and electromechanical oh vibrators manipulated by doctors. And one man, Dr. Joseph Mortimer Granville, God rest his soul, designed a portable device that women could use <laughs> in the privacy of their own homes, removing the creepy factor and empowering women to take matters into their own hands. And this device, my friends, was called the manipulator. And it is now evolved into the modern day vibrator. Ladies, not all heroes wear capes. <laughs> he was a feminist for sure. He's like, screw those creepy doctors. My wife's going to have this in the privacy of her own bedroom. I can you imagine being a fly on the wall in that room? Being like, oh, there's he a picture thought of it. There like, is a picture of him talking to people about this somewhere oh, on the internet. Oh, my Lanta. <laughs> it was like he was presenting the case like this dude really was a hero. He was like, this is not something that women should have to go to the doctor for. Like, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm hmm. Oh, a manipulator. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Terminator. I know. I kind of want to see what the packaging looked like. <laughs> like, I want to see if there's like an advertisement somewhere that says, buy your manipulator, cure hysteria. <laughs> right? Like, is it is it just like a, a word advertisement or is there a, an illustrated picture, picture of it? Probably is it a picture. A, a picture? I feel that's very Victorian, like it, to have yeah. like an illustration, you know, Definitely. like a drawing. Yeah. Definitely. Or a very, very, very happy looking woman. <laughs> <laughs> With a big smile on her face and like a yeah, like, sparkle in yeah, her eye. Yeah. Ten out of ten would recommend. <laughs> She's whispering in her friend's ear. It's the manipulator. I Don't think that's very nineteen fifties. Oh, very. I feel like it's more of like that as nineteen fifties. I can see the housewives, but um, yeah, Gosh. yeah. So I love that guy for doing what he did. That's incredible. One of the best inventors of our time, probably. <laughs> now, oh, we're doing good on time, people. Mm -hmm. So this last portion, I changed this up a little bit, the format. Mm. We're actually going to get into Merck's 1899 Manual of the Materia Medica. The manual Ooh. is still in print today. If you want to get into some really weird stuff, you can find a copy online. <laughs> now, let's keep in mind that at this time, the manual was about a pocketbook size, and it was something that physicians and medical students just carried around them with them, like as <laughs> a, you know, a reference book. Um, okay. So 
before we end the episode, I thought I would give you a list of some of the worst medicines used in an attempt to cure various ailments in the 19th century. (laughs) You ready for this? Yeah. (laughs) All right. Feeling a little pasty, a little low in iron? Try arsenic. Arsenic was prescribed for pretty much everything back in the Victorian era. Anemia was one of its prescribed uses. And as you already know from the A is for arsenic episode, this is not a viable solution to treat anything. <laughs> so you can find that in the manual. Got a case of the hiccups, Blair? Slap oh. some chloroform on a rag and just breathe in deep. We can just cure that just right away. And if you remember from the Bedlam episode, we talk about a case where a woman had a tooth removed and they used chloroform, which was very common back in those days. Mm -hmm. And we came up with the idea that she probably inhaled too much. Turns out you breathe too much chloroform, you get brain damage. Mm -hmm. And then she was committed to an asylum. So I'm going to say no to chloroform for hiccups and just stick with my vinegar. Works and pickle juice, or lemon pickle juice. juice. It's a I'm no not for a me, fish. dog. I'm not yep. a fish. I am not a fish. I'm not a fish. <laughs> Say that out loud. Hiccups go away. I keep forgetting to try that. I am not a it. fish. <laughs> Want to cure chicken pox? Why not try laxatives? You won't care how itchy your skin is because you're going to be too busy running to the toilet that could potentially expose under your bum due to build up explosive gases during the 19th century. Public service announcement, don't let a match. Is it the laxatives or is it the Akimu? Ask your doctor today. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is <laughs> Uncle Charlie an alcoholic? We'll just give him some cocaine. He'll stop falling over. You'll find he's much more productive with his day. Cocaine was also used as one of the first anesthetics for surgery. In 1884, a young Viennese ophthalmologist named Carl Kohler discovered that a mild solution of cocaine would, if introduced into the eye, deaden the nerve's sensitivity to pain. Could have used that during the medieval times, people. Cocaine for that cataract surgery. Oh. And, and this was so effective that news of this discovery spread so fast through Europe and America, the medical professionals and community just went crazy. In the first six months of 1885, there were 60 articles on cocaine appearing on the pages of the British Medical Journal. Cocaine was deemed the elixir of life and gift from the gods. This was, of course, before anyone knew how addictive it was Mm -hmm. and, you know, how it would affect long-term use. Also, fun fact, guess what? Theory on um, the author Stevenson who wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde? Yeah. Do you know that story? I do. Do you want to share? You do it. You do it. Okay. I want okay. you do it. <laughs> so basically, well, a couple things. Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff came out during this time frame. A lot of writers yes. came up with a lot of shit. There's a theory mm-hmm. that um, Stevenson wrote Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. I think it was 72 hours. Yes. And he was in like a small room, kind of mm-hmm. like by himself. He didn't sleep. Mm-mm. And the theory is that um, he was high on cocaine. Mm-hmm. So 
the reason that this is probably very probable is because there is a wine that was created at the time. I think it was an Italian wine. I have it in my quackery book. Um, I don't recall the name of it, but it was um, a cocaine infused wine. It had like, yeah, uh, obviously alcohol and then a certain percentage of cocaine and it was all the rage. And so authors <laughs> and people, artists were just drinking this shit up. And uh -huh. so a lot of literature and artistic works and things just were like, where's this stuff coming from? Right. They were high on cocaine. Yep. And it was the rise of the opium era. So it was that just too. all sorts of crazy. And okay, think about it. Um, you go to some restaurants that have like a hybrid drink where it's like a sangria type thing where you've got wine and another hardcore liquor like tequila for example mm -hmm. you mix those together you mix a wine and another hard liquor together and that alone creates something in one like jar could like mess you up a bit i can't yeah. imagine taking wine and putting cocaine in it that's a party that is a party a party in a bottle holy <laughs> shite Oh my and gosh. Co cocaine, they found every way possible to try to administer it. They made lozenges, <laughs> tonics, they added it to cigarettes and powders. And I mean, we know famously Coca-Cola had a mm -hmm. certain percentage of cocaine in it. And uh, there's even an advertisement in the Sears catalog for cocaine. It was advertised as little <laughs> boxes of tablets and you could purchase them for about 50 cents. You did not need a prescription. Oh my um, gosh. It wasn't until 1914 that cocaine was outlawed by the Harrison Narcotic Act. The, the law basically provided, um, basically said, you know, you can't do opium, you can't do morphine, you can't do heroin, mm -hmm. you can't do cocaine. Like there had to be yeah. orderly ways <laughs> of pharmaceuticals. Let's just be real, mm -hmm. turning them into pharmaceuticals. Um, and then last but not least, that C word that I keep bringing up, calomel for teething children. <sighs> calomel, as I mentioned, is mercury chloride. And one of the side effects of mercury chloride is it has the ability to soften gums. So it was huh. used to treat teething children. And the side effects of this treatment, one of them was gangrene. Ooh. Loss Ooh. of teeth and deterioration <laughs> of the gums. No need to worry about teething. You have no gums. <laughs> and you have no teeth. Congratulations. No teeth. <laughs> it was pretty much used for everything. Oh, um, it was used against like almost every disease. Syphilis, bronchitis, cholera, ingrown toenails, teething, gout, tuberculosis, the flu, and cancer. All right. I'm going to back it up. Ingrown toenails out of that entire list. I know. Uh. <laughs> I mean, if it made your gums deteriorate, mm. it might mm. draw back the skin, if you think about it. Yeah. Maybe maybe it did. Maybe it did help with ingrown toenails. I don't know, but uh, the side effects are not worth it. Uh-uh. Uh. <laughs> and that, my friends, is just the beginning of all the worst ways to cure everything. But 
I just wanted to give you a little taste of the good stuff. I mean, we could literally talk about this for forever. I mean, that we could, could have its multiple own episodes. Podcast. It yeah. could be. Exactly. We didn't even go into lobotomy and electroshock therapy and no. all that. But I think we'll probably save that for a future episode. Absolutely. Um, and a little bit of a different uh, format. So Ooh. I hope that oh. you were delightfully appalled. I sure had fun researching this and writing it. And I know it's one of the weirder episodes that I've done, but it seems like the more weird I get, the more fun that I have. So I don't yeah. know what that says about me, but I'm like, what, how weird can I get? What topic can I choose that's extra weird? Stay weird, people. Stay weird. <laughs> Oh, stay weird. Oh, woof, mm. woof, exactly. Conclusion: frickin' woof, woof. I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad we live in the time that we do for that type of thing. We still have some bad things some, happening. Oh, absolutely. And you the think eye about is terrible. Yeah. What can you actually do to make that better? Right. Oh, there! Look at anything we can make better. You, you look at some of the stuff that we still do. That's like, what year is it, people? This is the most primitive shit that you could be doing right now to test for this. Why are we yeah. not focusing we're this so in, on this more? We're so advanced in some ways, and then still primitive in others. Exactly. And it blows my mind. Exactly. Yeah. We need to change that. We need to let's maybe focus on. Um, advancing technology so that we're more comfortable with medical things oh and just the process of aging and uh -huh. uh, the process of dying don't even yeah. get me on that soapbox because uh-huh uh, i have some opinions yeah and just like a, a surface level example let's talk about colonoscopy we're already talking about butt stuff you can't tell mm. me that we can sit there and have something like AI that is able to write up everything for us, but we're still sticking a six foot tube up our asses to check for colon cancer. Well, not only that, but all the prep work that you have to do. Uh huh. Mm hmm. Can we uh maybe do a chop chop on that and uh get something else? Yeah, um, and to me, I think a lot, and this is I'm going to get on a soapbox because I'm also passionate about gut health. Mm -hmm, <laughs> so me random, too. right? Um, just cause I have my own personal issues with that, but, Same. um, yeah, you go see a gut specialist and traditional doctors. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to down talk any doctors or nurses or anything like that, that no. may be listening. I appreciate and I respect and I, Thank I just you think that, for everything um, you do. I just think that there, we need to look at systems based approaches to care mm -hmm. and look at root cause and Agreed. know that our gut is our second brain and that is crucial to have the right environment in your gut for mm -hmm. your full body to be healthy. Agreed. And uh, the specialists I've been to, I'm probably going to end up cutting this, but um, yeah, just uh, tell you just uh, take a Miralax for the rest of your life. I'm like, that's not the answer. No. That's not, exactly. that's not getting to the root of the problem. I want to mm -hmm. know why I can't eat a mushroom without being uncomfortable. I want to yeah. know why I can't eat an onion. And I do know. I have an understanding now. Mm -hmm. But the mechanism that causes the issues, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Anyways, off my soapbox. 
Um, I wholeheartedly agree with you, though. We're not shoving needles in people's eyes anymore and pushing their lenses back through their eyeballs. So Uh that's great. We're making slow strides, but we just need to be better. Do better, people. Oh, yeah. I could tell you about when I had my nose surgery. Oh, uh, no. Getting that stuff taken out. That was also primitive as fuck. But uh, that that may be for another time. But kind of the same thing. You know? Yeah. Oh. Ooh, guess what just started? What? Thunder. <gasps> Are you serious? Yeah. Ooh. Which is a great setup for the episode that we're about to record. Heck yeah, it is. You know what's really funny? Last night when we were recording... You had bright sunniness by you, and I had the thunder. Now mm-hmm. you've got the thunder, and I have bright sunniness. <laughs> yep. And we're not that far from each other now. No, not really. Nope. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm getting the spooky ambiance while you tell me the spooky story. That's going to yeah. be perfect for me. Heck yeah. What Ooh. we got next? We have, oh, oh. Yeah, well, we're recording, oh. We're recording. But, oh, we're doing a little switch up, but yeah, we're doing a you switch will have up. Already heard it at this point. You, you <laughs> will, and hopefully you loved it. And we want to hear your thoughts on it. But I feel like we're time traveling right now, we, kind I of. Know. <laughs> we we usually don't hop around like this. It's very very weird. But in in the listener realm, after this, what you'll be hearing will be R, and R is for ropes, Pierre. And we will be delving into the French Revolution and the National Razor and everything crazy that went on with that. See, because... I know nothing about that. So <laughs> it's going to be it is one a... of those where I'm just like sitting with my mouth open, not saying words. Absolutely. You will be. This <laughs> this topic has fascinated me since I was a kid. The And we'll, we'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> We'll get into it. But you just have that it's to crazy. look forward to people. Yes. Crazy times are coming. And then after that, I have S's for surgical theater because mm-hmm. I'm not done talking about medical stuff. Uh-uh. So we have heard your gonna... comments and we know that you like that stuff. You like the weird stuff, you weirdos. You know we you know. like it. Yeah. You love it. You, you love, love it. it. Just admit it. Yeah, love it. Love it. Okay. (laughs) Till next time. Till next time. We will see you. Have fun. Be safe. Keep it macabre. uh, Keep it macabre. Keep it horny (laughs) Palidori. Horny, horny Palidori. Bye. Bye. Do a move, 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 do a move